Hey, welcome to In Doubt. This week we talk with Peter Kroll, president of a university campus ministry in the States called Disciple Makers. We talk about how to study the Bible. I also ask him what his plea to young people across this nation is to not just engage the church and its programs, but also engage the Word of God. Also, you know that this month is our fiscal year end. Our budget is up for this year as a nonprofit, and we're starting again in July. Uh, this time of year can be challenging when it comes to finances, so we do ask that all of our listeners and those who believe in our mission at In Doubt to perfectly consider making a donation. You know, we have a small campaign right now called Let's Talk $5, in which we're asking people to partner with us for just $5 a month. And as I said last week, there's only 16 cents per day, and, you know, it seems seems tiny and insignificant, but it really does help us move forward. Anyways, if you're interested in this, just head to indoubt.ca and click the Let's Talk button. When somebody gets personal Bible study and they understand how to do it, it means I could lock that person alone in a room with nothing but a simple edition of the Bible and they'll know what to do with it because this is about you and God through the word of Jesus Christ. That was a quote from Peter Kroll, who I have the great privilege of speaking with today on In Doubt. I'm Isaac, your host, and Canada Day is approaching really soon, Saturday in fact. And what makes it even better is that this year is Canada's 150th birthday, so that's pretty exciting. Anyways, like I said, Peter Kroll is our guest today. We chat about the question of Bible study. Now, don't worry, it's not boring. For some reason, we kind of think that any talk on the Bible is boring, but that's just a myth. You see, people can be boring, but the Bible is never boring. So you'll find that out soon enough. But anyways, let's hear the conversation with Peter. With me today is Peter Kroll. Peter is president of Disciple Makers. It's a, a campus ministry. He's a pastor. He's an author. Um, a few years ago now, he wrote a book called Knowable Word, Helping Ordinary People Learn to Study the Bible. And that's sort of the topic, Bible reading, Bible study. That's sort of the topic we're going to be getting at today. But anyways, thanks for being here today, Peter. You're welcome. You know, before we kind of jump into the topic, do you mind just letting us know uh, a little bit more more about who you are? So uh, specifically how you came to know Jesus and also what you're up to in life right now. Sure. Yeah, I, I grew up in a Christian family in the suburbs of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Okay. Heard the gospel from a, a young age and uh, I remember praying to receive Christ when I was pretty young. Uh, though it, it didn't fully sink in for me until later in my high school years when all the things that I had been trusting in fell apart on me all at once. Mm. Uh, I just, I lived for, for music and for girls. Mm. I played the trombone and had a failed audition one year. And then I had a dating relationship that went sour and, and the combination of those things uh, launched me into some depression and, and helped me uh, to realize that only Christ could really give me the life I was looking for. So started really walking with Christ at that point and uh, went off to college. And while I was in college, I was deeply impacted by Disciple Makers Campus Ministry okay. as uh, the, the folks who invested in me helped me learn how to study the Bible and how to think biblically about everything I did, applying 
the scriptures and the gospel to all different areas of life. And I had been so impacted and was convinced by the benefit of reaching college students that I, I joined the ministry when I graduated. Mm, that's awesome. And served with Disciple Makers for about 15 years before being appointed president wow. in 2016. And, and I also serve as a preaching pastor of Grace Fellowship Church, my, my local church here in State College, okay. Pennsylvania, which is uh, right where Penn State University is. That's awesome. And what exactly, I mean, I'm a little bit unfamiliar with Disciple Makers, so what, what is it kind of in a brief snapshot? Well, we reach students at secular universities okay. across the state of Pennsylvania. So we're, we're still kind of small. But uh, we're working at reaching new campuses, and our mission is to, as you can guess from our name, it's to make right. <laughs> disciples of Christ. Good, straight to the so point. So we want to we take the boys and girls that come in to the university and help them grow into men and women of God who are dangerous. Cool. Because wherever they go, they're, they're going to make a, a big difference for the, the kingdom of God That's and of good. Christ. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting. I mean, I thank you for your work because that can be a weighty task. Um, you know, making disciples in the midst of a secular uh, university. Even my wife just finished graduating from university. And, uh, you know, she would, you know, tell me how hard it can be when a professor who in their sort of authoritative way maybe speaks down upon Christianity, it can sound very convincing. And a lot of young people, if they're a little bit wavy in their faith or don't have any faith at all, they can be very impacted by those things. So, it can be, it's a hard, it's a hard place to be. Yeah, that's true. And it also helps to solidify folks when they realize that the Bible and the Christian faith have withstood the strongest objections for yeah, millennia. That's good. And so th- there's nothing to be afraid of there and yeah. it can really take it. And that's pretty eye-opening for a lot of students when they realize, ah, oh, my, my freshman hallmate really isn't going to destroy this thing if, if right. Bertrand Russell couldn't do it. <laughs> Right, exactly. Uh, That's good. Okay, well, um, thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. Um, Let's jump in here. As I was preparing this interview, I was thinking of something I read recently. Uh, George Mueller, I don't know if you're familiar with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he, you know, he had the different orphanages uh, uh, back in, I think it was the 18th century, or no, sorry, the 19th century. Um, And I was reading in his autobiography, and I, I found it fascinating. I really enjoyed reading it, but he said in his early Christian years, when he first kind of came to know who Jesus was, he was writing in his diary about how he would read lots and lots of books about Christianity. And then he became kind of convicted of this because he wasn't putting as much energy and time into just reading the Bible. So he decided from that point on to not read as many books about Christianity and spend that time and energy reading the Bible instead. And as I was starting to think about, you know, this conversation and noble word, I was reminded of this, that um, even for myself, so often I can read a lot about Christianity and a lot about the Bible but not so much invest time in the Bible. And that's really what we're going to get at today, uh, Bible study. So the first question that strikes me is this, why, why should we study the Bible? You know, culture tells us that the Bible is outdated. It's irrelevant, sometimes just wrong. Um, many churches, I find, don't properly encourage Bible reading. Um, they promote programs and a lot of different things, but not so much Bible reading. Sometimes it can be hard to interpret. I remember a, a youth that I was leading mm. one time said that she just doesn't read the Bible because she just does not understand it. Um, so yeah, why should we study the Bible, Peter? That's a great question. And I have sometimes answered that by saying that you probably shouldn't study the Bible unless you want everything about you to change. 
So we, <laughs> we can have all of our reasons why we don't study it or why we can't or why we shouldn't. And that, that's fine. I appreciate what people think. But mm. the Bible is a dangerous book. It is the most dangerous book mm. because the Bible is where we meet with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you want to know God, you must know Jesus Christ. And I think very few people who claim to be Christians would disagree with that assertion. Right. However, the scriptures also say that if you want to know Jesus Christ, you must meet him in his word. In John 14, in the upper room before Jesus was arrested and, and put on trial, and he's talking to his disciples, and uh, John 14, verses 18 through 25, he he, he told them that, that the way he manifests himself to his followers is through his words. Mm. And it's as we keep his words that he manifests himself. Right. 1 Peter 1.23 says, You have been born again through the living and abiding word of God. Uh, Romans 1.16, It is the gospel that is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. That's good, yeah. So the Word of God is, is living and active, and it changes people. It, it rescues us. It transforms us. It, it helps us to be conformed to the image of Christ, because in the Scripture, we meet Jesus. And if we want to know God, we have to meet Jesus. So right. that's why I say, why study the Bible? It's uh, because Jesus Christ is life. Right. And we meet Him, the Son of God, in the Word of God. Right. And so why would we not study it and treasure it as we would do with any other love interest? Yeah, no, that, that's good. I, I remember I, I was talking to, I don't know if you're familiar with the Bible Project. They do kind of... Yes. Yes, okay. They're so doing marvelous work. They are, and I, I really do appreciate what they're doing. And I, I was talking with Tim Mackey, who's the voice of it, uh, about Bible study as well. And he said... It's not so much go read the Bible, it's rather go follow Jesus. And if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to read his words <laughs> and his that's words. Right. So I hear exa- that's, right. that's, that's the exact same thing that you're saying. Uh, if we want to meet Jesus, we have to read the word. So that's that's good. I, Peter, I, I don't know uh, about, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm assuming that the sort of Christian subculture in the States can be very similar with the Christian subculture in Canada, probably some differences. But uh, I find that the Christian subculture can indirectly and sometimes directly promote and model a style of life, style of kind of Christianity that just looks very Christian, yet there is this lack of personal uh, Bible study involved. So I I, I just think a lot of people, uh, especially my age in their 20s, 30s, they just don't really understand where that fits in and what that looks like in their sort of Christian quote-unquote life. So Mm -hmm. the next question is, uh, what does personal Bible study look like that's apart from listening to a sermon, that's apart from, you know, this or that, but what is personal Bible study? This might sound rather ordinary, but personal Bible study looks like a person with a Bible. (laughs) Good. Okay. (laughs) And uh, I think that is a a very important point to get across Hmm. and for us to understand because Uh, Personal Bible study, what that means by implication is that personal Bible study is not primarily about listening to sermons or collecting the right resources. It's not even about getting a decent curriculum or a workbook to fill out. But when somebody gets personal Bible study and they understand how to do it, it means I could lock that person alone in a room with nothing but a simple edition of the Bible, and they'll know what to do with it. Right. 
because this is about you and God through the word of Jesus Christ. And in saying that, I don't mean to communicate that we don't need any help. Right. And I'm not saying that we can isolate ourselves from the Christian community, either in our day or the community of history. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. We need help with history and languages and ancient cultures, and, and we can and should benefit from the insights of others. Right. But in the end, we need to be able to engage directly with the text. Right. If we have Jesus as our high priest, then we're, we're not dependent on even scholars or experts to mediate our walk with God for us. Personal Bible study means that, that we are people of the Word. Right. We'll crack it open, read it, and know what to do with it. Yeah, no, that's so good. You know, I, I want to get a little bit more into uh, just briefly what the OIA method is. But before we jump there, um, can I just ask you, like, why do you think that different Christian organizations and churches don't promote you know, that sort of Bible study a lot of the time. Do you have any thoughts on why we don't see so much? Like, just go into your room and read the Bible and that's it. Um, Yeah, what what are your thoughts on that? I found lots of reasons. I don't think there's just one. But I I think sometimes it can be because we just don't know what to do with the Bible. Right. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes it can be that, that we don't have confidence that we can read the Bible. And so I won't... I won't read it or study it unless I have an expert to tell me what to think about it. Mm. Sometimes we fear it will be boring for people, and so we don't encourage them to do it. We think that they'll give up too quickly. That's a good point, yeah. And um, really, we just need to equip them with the skills for how to do it. And then like like Charles Spurgeon said in a different context, he's talking about preaching, but I think the point still applies, that we just— uh, let the scripture loose. It's like unleashing a lion. Mm. And uh, when we can engage directly with the text, I have seen people uh, just get far more excited than they <laughs> than they otherwise would over another book about right. the Bible. That's good. That's so good. Um, so yeah, let's let's jump to the OIA method. It's something that you talk about more extensively inside your book, Noble Word. But um, yeah, can you explain this a little bit? I can. The OIA method stands for observe, interpret, and apply. That's the O, I, and A. Uh, And it's a a simple and straightforward method for for reading the Bible. It's not just for reading the Bible. You can apply it to anything. Because OIA, observe, interpret, apply, is simply a way to describe how all communication takes place. Mm. We're just trying to to codify the way communication works so that we have a way to approach God's communication with us. Right. Let me explain what I mean. If uh, I meet, met you in the street, yeah. and I said, hey, there, there's Isaac, yeah. I might walk up to you, and I'll look you in the eye, yeah. and I'll have certain body language, and you'll observe my eye contact, my body language, and you might observe that I stick out my right hand towards you. And then you'll interpret that to to mean that I must know you and I want to greet you. Right. And you'll apply that, hopefully, by reaching out and taking my (laughs) hand and shaking it and saying hello. (laughs) Right. Okay. So when we observe, we're just trying to figure out what does it say? Mm. What's actually happening? When we interpret, we're trying to figure out what does it mean, 
And we're taking those observations and asking, what do those mean? Right. So it builds on it. And then in application, we're figuring out, how should I change mm. as a result of what I've seen and what it means? Right. And so that's how all communication takes place. So when you take advantage of OIA as a method for personal Bible study, you're making it possible to comprehend God's own communication with you. Right. And I would say without it, you can't really comprehend yeah. I think everybody who does any kind of effective Bible study is doing OIA, even if they don't use the terminology right. of observe, interpret, apply. Right. And and you're pretty much saying that we all, I've probably used OIA multiple times already today in talking with oh, my, yeah. all, that's all the time, right? So Every time you talk to someone or read something or watch something on TV, it's OIA. You can always break it down. Right. So you pretty much just helped us. Yeah, get the skeleton of the method that we always use subconsciously and applying that to God's Word. Simple. Okay. That's right. <laughs> I love it. It's awesome. And I think it needs to be simple because we can, we can explain it in two minutes to people who've never heard about it and then yeah. do it together. Uh, but it's also complex enough to engage us for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Uh, even, you know, PhDs and, and yeah. beyond. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I just think a lot of people especially uh, different youth or young adults, they, they become a little bit overwhelmed with the Bible because in their minds, they've sort of elevated it to, some, to something that only, you know, the people with letters after their names can actually understand. That's uh, right. And I, you, you mentioned this uh, just a couple uh, minutes ago as well. Uh, but I think that is a huge point. But, you know, what you're saying now is that no, like you, with OIA, with just this normal way that you interpret, uh, you know, conversation, all that kind of stuff, um, we can understand the Bible. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And we need help with the cultural distance yes. and such. But the Bible was written to uneducated people yeah. in the common, plain language of the day. That's good. The Lord has always intended for it to be read and understood by ordinary people. Yeah, that's so good. And that's why, you know, obviously this year's 150th anniversary of the Reformation. That's that's something we can rejoice about the Reformation, that the Bible was brought into people's hands, which is really, really cool. That's right. Now, you know, um, you have a site, nobleword.com. You blog kind of regularly on there. And I was briefly looking at yes. it this morning, and you actually demonstrate what this method looks like, and you're kind of going through Exodus. Um, so to, if you're listening right now and you're interested, okay, well, okay, you, you know, I hear about this OIA method, but what does it look like? You know, go to knowableword.com and you can actually see how Peter has kind of uh, understood it uh, and uh, sort of applied it. So that's pretty cool. Um, Great. Thanks. Yeah. Now we hear a lot of people talk about their, um, or they maybe they don't talk about their quiet time, but the word quiet time, I think it's kind of cliche, but quiet time or their devotions. Now, would you say mm-hmm. there's a difference in devotional reading than Bible study reading? Or um, I know some people think of those as sort of separate, like, oh, I just, this is my devotional time, um, but this is my you know, Bible study time, if they did have any. But um, I, can, I think I already know what your answer is going to be, but I would love for, to hear your answer to that. Oh, I have blogged about this because I, I hear this question quite a bit, and mm-hmm. I hear people talk about this uh, when they say, especially people in ministry, Right. If they're leading a Bible study or they're preacher, preachers in churches, I, I hear them say, I need to set aside my study and do more devotional time. 
And my perspective is that when both terms, devotional study or, or devotional reading and, and Bible study reading, when both of those terms are rightly understood, right. there should be no difference. And if there is a difference, I think that you might be misunderstanding one term or the other. That's good. Yeah. Here's what I mean by that. If your Bible study does not increase your devotion to the Lord, mm. then you are not really studying the Bible. Right. In John 5, Jesus complains about this to the Pharisees, and, and we need to hear this. You might be studying the Scripture because you think that in them you have eternal life, and yet they were written to bear witness to Jesus Christ. So, as we study, let's not refuse to come to him so we may have life. Yeah. So, that's one side of it. If you're doing study, that doesn't lead you to devotion. But we can look at the other side of it. If you're doing devotion that doesn't cause you to study it, right. I would say, well, I would ask the question, who is it that you're becoming devoted to Right. as you do that? So, if my wife were to write me a note asking me to please take out the trash— yeah. And I fail to interpret, to study that note properly. And instead of taking out the trash, I actually clean the bathroom, <laughs> expecting her to be totally impressed by my selfless service. All right. She's not going to be happy with me because if I misread and misinterpret what she wrote, I am not showing her true devotion. Right. So I would say that devotional reading must employ appropriate study. Yeah. And Bible study reading must increase the heart's devotion. There shouldn't be much difference. That's awesome. Yeah. That's important, I think, especially for teachers, those who are teaching classes or leading Bible studies, because if you put together your study and your teaching notes and you get ready to teach this thing and the text has not yet impacted you personally, yeah. I don't think you're ready to teach it. Part of your teaching has to be modeling for the people you're teaching how to apply it. And you do that by showing them how it applies to you right now. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. I think that's important for all of us to hear that. Um, and like you said, especially teachers. And I, I find that even in, uh, you know, I went to Bible college for four years and this could be the case uh, for many people when they, the, the Bible for a semester is no longer God's word, but it's rather a, a you know, a textbook solely uh, and not a, not a place for devotional reading. So I think it's just important to hear that, no, yes. they lead to each other. <laughs> Bible study, devotion, they lead and, and kind of um, engage one another. So that's right. That's important. Um, now, I mean, we're, we're running low on time here, but I just really want to know to um, for you to explain sort of the doctrine of illumination <laughs> and how that applies to Bible um, study. Because we know that the Holy Spirit... Is a, is a huge gift, uh, especially when it comes to reading the Bible and being led into all truth. So um, I don't know if you can sort of explain that in a short, short bit of time. Yeah, it's important for us to keep that in mind. The, the doctrine of illumination comes out of passages like 1 Corinthians 2.10, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Right. And so only the Holy Spirit can introduce us to Christ through the pages of Scripture. Right. This, this Bible study is not an exercise in self-effort or supreme intelligence. Mm. Uh, however, uh, we do need to be careful not to treat the, the, the doctrine of the illumination of the Spirit as a mystical, magical process, mm. as though I, it's like I'm being struck by lightning, right. <laughs> and I have, you know, 
instantaneous knowledge I didn't have before. Right. The, the Holy Spirit works just as much through hard work and study as he does through flashbang miracles. So, so that doctrine is important, and we have to be relying on the Holy Spirit. And practically, that means that uh, with God's help, uh, my Bible study begins and ends with prayer. It's conducted as an act of prayer, and mm. it, it produces rejoicing and thankfulness. And whenever I feel stuck in my study, I, I try, I, I don't always do this, <laughs> but I try to step back and ask myself, did I even pray? Did I even mm. ask for, ask the Spirit to illuminate yeah. uh, the words in this page that I might see Jesus more clearly? Yeah. And often I, I've forgotten to do so, and I just have to stop right then and ask. And it's a prayer he loves to answer. That's good. I love that. Um, and the last thing, I, I really wanted to give uh, uh, time just for this last question here, because I know that you do work with uh, college students, um, which are usually around, you know, 20-somethings, 30-somethings. So what would be your plea to young adult Christians today who are not investing time and energy into, obviously, the Bible, but, you know, sort of just enjoying church programs, you know, Christian music, they're enjoying their sermons and their conferences, and so on and so forth? Yeah, I would say to such folks that that I am just delighted to hear of your involvement in your church and uh, your saturation with sermons and music and such. Uh, but my plea to you, my question would be, do you know God? Mm. Do you know the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of His Holy Spirit, working through His Word of power, mm. such that if I locked you alone in a room with a Bible, would it feel to you like a first date? <laughs> would, it, would it just be filled with awkward silence and wistful hopes? <laughs> or would it be, you know, excitement, like, this is what I'm waiting for, time with my beloved, right. uh, time with my Lord, with my Master. Mm. Uh, so my appeal, my plea would be, try it. Cool. Just try it for a month. Dedicate yourself to be someone of the Word, whether that just means reading it through, maybe read the New Testament in a month, right? or read something a bit and think about what, what does it say, what does it mean, how should I change? Right. That's good. I love it. For our listeners, like I said, Peter blogs at knowableword.com, so you can sort of find out everything about everything he does pretty much and different blogs and everything he does on there. Um, you can other find you can also find other resources on there as well. And his book, Noble Word, was published by Cruciform Press. And, um, you know, you've heard me talk about Cruciform Press a lot because I really enjoy the different works that they have uh, done. So anyways, Peter, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with me and talking about this really important subject. So I hope to have you on the show again soon. Thanks for having me. It's a real privilege. Again, if you want to learn more or hear more about Peter and read some of his stuff, just head to knowableword.com. Anyways, that wraps up In Doubt this week. If you want to connect with us, just head to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and check out our social media channels. And if you have a suggestion of a topic or a guest, you can always email us at info at Well, I'm Isaac, and next week we hear an important conversation with author Lydia Brownback on the topic of loneliness. See you then. 
Windout Ministries exists to bring a biblical perspective into the relevant issues of life and faith that young adults face every day. For more information, check out indo.ca if you live in Canada and indo.com if you live in the U.S.